Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bloom. You saw me standing alone. Welcome back to the Man City Show, everyone. After a summer of basking in the glory of a treble and having finally made it out of the Atatürk car park, the Premier League is back. And City start the season with a very comfortable win against Burnley. With a Super Cup and Newcastle to look forward to, there's much to talk about. So joining me, Tony Newgrosh, tonight, I've got a treble of City wit and wisdom. We've got Paul Denby. Hi, Paul. Evening. Good to be here. We've got Spencer Debson. Evening, Tony. And last but not least, we've got Dave Hodgson. Hi, Dave. Good evening, Tony. Good evening, chaps. Well, much to talk about and... The accountant in me, I'm going to start you with a numerical question just to get you all going. Marks out of 10 for City's performance against Burnley on Friday night. An unusual time for a game, we'd have to admit. So, Spencer, marks out of 10, please. Well, I I read quite a few things implying uh, that we were sort of really rather rusty. And, uh, you know, it's the first game of the season. Um, It takes a while for things to settle down. And we played super well, I think, overall. Um, The game flowed quite well. I would say a solid eight. Okay. Now, I did just ask for a number, Spencer. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Please listen to the question. Stato, come on. This is your area of expertise here. A number, please. Mark's out of ten. Six and a half. Six and a half from Paul, yeah. And Dave? Seven. Seven. Okay, a seven from Dave. A, A fair... A fair range of scores there. Now, Spencer, you gave us your, your thoughts there already. So, Paul, six and a half. I think that's pretty bang average, to be honest. Why Why only six and a half? Well, it was against a team that you would expect to beat, albeit Burnley away in the first game of the season. Their fans initially were up for it, but we quieted them down very quickly. I thought we were a bit sloppy at times. Uh, it's first match of the season. Had we been playing like that later in the season, I would have given it probably a five out of ten. But I was probably generous in my view. I'm, maybe I'm just harsh. Uh, I've got used to such fantastic football over the years and maybe I'm just turning into one of those. Oh, if we don't perform every week, I'll give up. No, I'm not. But I just thought we were a little bit rusty. A few passes going astray. Um, we lost the ball very easily, particularly in the first half when we were 1-0 up. Burnley had a couple of chances. But against a better team, we might have been punished for it. 
Um, but we took our chances. We won the match. So you can't really ask for more. We have lost opening matches. Uh, I think we lost to Tottenham a couple of seasons. Was it last season or the season before we lost? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, first game of the season. So, um, yeah, it's a good result. But it, the performance, which is what you asked me to score on, I didn't think was brilliant. Dave, you were slightly more generous with seven. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, look, we, we set a really high standard last season. If I if I put the home game against Real Madrid as the perfect 10, you know, we we were some way off the sort of standard that we got used to seeing last season. And I think that's that's fair. It's down to a certain set of points. I think Burnley surprised us in the sense that they had a very, very advanced press. Um, I think Akanji in particular, I thought, really struggled to deal with that. I think Edison dealt with it remarkably well, and we may come on to that. Um, but, you know, that there were still a few weaknesses at the back, just how we were dealing with that. And then I felt when we lost Kevin De Bruyne, we did lose a little bit of our um, our sort of um, incisiveness going forward. I think we um, maybe looked at that and realised that we might have, we might need another creative outlet to replace what we've lost in Gundogan because Kovacic is a very good, but very different sort of player. And I think, yeah, it, it highlighted not just a little bit of rustiness, but also maybe what we need to add a little bit of if we want to see the standards we set last season repeated again. All right. Fair point. We'll perhaps dig a bit deeper on that in a minute, but Spencer, let's, let's focus on the new boys. We, we just mentioned Kovacic. How did, how did he do for you? Well, uh, we saw him in the charity shield and, and again uh, on Friday. Um, it, he looks on the face of it as if he slots slots straight straight in. He's obviously a very experienced player, uh, multi multi winner. Um, but as uh, as Dave said, he's a very very different player to Gundogan. He's uh, he's a he's a dribbler, isn't he? He's uh, he runs with the ball. Uh, he distributes uh, well. Um, looks as if he understands the role. Sitting uh, just ahead of Rodri, would would we say? Um, I, I like him, um, and I think he's been uh, brought in to um, add add a lot of experience to to an area of the field where we do need reinforcement. But he's no replacement for Gundogan. He, he, he's uh, we need we we need more from other players uh, in that regard. Thought he played well. Okay, Stato Cardial also came off the bench, um, known as Little Pep apparently is his nickname. So he should he should fit in well. And interestingly enough, he's described on the City website as a centre-half stroke left-back. And he failed. He came in at left-back. How did he do for you? He did fine. He came in. He didn't have a long period of play, but what he did, he did fine. I, I was quite surprised to see him fairly early on uh, when he came on, right up in the, uh, the Burnley touchline, which you don't often see from a centre-back. So, yeah, left-back going forward you do sometimes. But, yeah, he he had a good game from what I saw. Very limited time to really judge him, though. OK. So, 3-0, relatively comfortable, Dave. Any any concerns for you? Um, I don't think there's anything that jumped out at the ears. Oh, my God, this is going to haunt us all season. Um. You know, again, we missed Stones and Diaz, who you probably say are our default centre-backs. Um, Ake, I always think, looks good, whatever he does. But Akanji did worry me a bit. It could just be early season jitters. But again, you know, Burnley were very, very up for it. Pressed really well. I think they had a very good game. And to actually get, you know, to get 3-0 away at a newly promoted side is in of itself a good result. But, you know, drawing a little bit on what we've been saying about you know, our midfield. Kovacic looks a very good player, but he's not going to give the, almost the runs into the box, the 
sort of play around the final third that we got used to seeing from Gundogan in the latter years. And I do think that there's probably there was a little bit of a sense that whilst we have um, you know players like Bernardo who are very very technically gifted, that there was there was just a moment where we struggled with that sort of final transition, especially when Haaland found himself getting a bit frustrated and a bit isolated because we weren't having people um, making those sort of passes, those sort of runs that benefit him and allow us to to move into the final third seamlessly. I think the club are addressing that. I'm sure we'll come on to that later, but. You know, it's a it's a nice problem to have that your creative outlets are Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, and Phil Foden. But you know, if we can add an extra name to that, I think that that gives us a real edge going into what we are. Uh, you know, what's going to be a very long season. Well, all right, let's pick up on that then, um, Spencer. If if you had your wish as far as acquisitions to complete this squad for the season ahead, there's talks of Paqueta. There's mm. there's a there's a few names out there, isn't there? Doku, who is not a Star Wars character apparently, but a very good and fast footballer. Who would who mm. would you sign? <laughs> I don't know too much about Doku actually, but Paqueta uh, looks 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 a wonderful player. Uh, it's hard to know from afar if he's um, uh, got the consistency and the and the you know the the absolute quality that that City City need and demand. But he's certainly got the attributes of a player that uh, you know plays on the front foot final third the sort of provider type player um and he looks great and and by all accounts is uh is uh well regarded by pep so i would say he would be at the head of the queue um the others might know a bit more about doku but 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 we do we're missing this um this player it's important to get them in before before the uh, transfer window closes and let's not forget also, we had, and I'm including Phil Foden in this, we had four homegrown youngsters in the team by the final whistle. Um, I think that's something we should take a lot of pride in. You know, we've been told we've bought the league for the past 20 years. Um, I think Chelsea are, are giving us a good run for our money at the moment. But um, Paul, McAtee, Lewis, Palmer, Foden, how did they do for you? It's great to see them on the pitch. We know all about Foden. He's played often enough. He's a, a regular, not a regular first team. Sometimes he's on the bench, but he's a regular squad member that plays, uh, I don't know what percentage, but he plays a reasonable number of games. Uh, Palmer's been in and out of that team. He's yet to really cement a place. Um, Lewis is, gives me more hope than uh, Palmer, if I was between the two, and there was money on one or the other. Lewis has proven that he can play at that level. I think Palmer's still yet to prove it. I hope he can. And McAtee, it was a cameo performance for a few minutes, so can't really comment. He's, by all accounts, a great young prospect, so hopefully he'll come through. Just the one point you asked a few moments ago, concerns from finite, of course, is KDB. I mean, going off injured, on only his, you know, he played in the community shield a little bit, came on, and then he played 20 minutes or so on Friday night. That has to be a concern that he's, was he fully fit? Should he have played? I'm assuming the medical staff gave him the go ahead, but it is a concern when a player of his age now starts to go off with hamstring trouble and then again with hamstring trouble. Um, hopefully it won't be for too long, but they've got to get him right. Yeah, by all accounts, he'd been playing through the pain barrier towards the end of last season, hadn't he? And, well, all right, hindsight's a wonderful. Yes, clearly that's a downside. Dave, I, I, without wishing to lead the witness, as it were, I, I thought Rico Lewis struggled a little bit at left back. Am I, am I being harsh? Um, I think it's... I, I take exception with the at left back. I mean, he, he clearly has this very interesting way of thinking about football. And it's almost as if Pep's designed a fullback in a laboratory that he doesn't particularly want to be 
a orthodox defender. He is very keen to pick up that position in holding midfield. Perhaps that is ultimately where it works. But what he what he really gives is a, is a layer of tactical flexibility and intelligence that I really would not expect to see from a player of his age. And yes, there are moments where his inexperience shows. I think there were moments where he maybe got caught on the ball a bit long. Burnley clearly were targeting him and Akanji for the press. Um, but I did think that you occasionally have to sit back and remember that this kid is 18. We're not talking about, you know, a you know, young player now could be sort of, you know, 20, 21, 22. This guy is 18. He's only really came into it last season. He did play a very meaningful role for us last season. I think we we've maybe built him up a little bit around that. I, I, I think he's he's fine. I think he's ready for the squad role he's getting. Would I want to have to play him every week in every big game? Absolutely not. But I think he he really has something. I think, you know, whereas Foden obviously just it feels like he's about to burst and do something, do something huge and obviously has been a big part of things for years for us now. I think Lewis is the sort of player who's capable of hitting that kind of level. McCarthy, I've not seen nearly enough of. Cole Palmer, I like the lad. I think he's got something to him, but a bit like Zinchenko, I want him, I want to see him do well, but if someone is going to bid us 30 million, I'd snap the hand off. I don't think he's got the level that we're talking about with the sort of Foden, the Lewis um, sort of player who who can come in and really make an impact on our first team. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, you know, short of waiting for Gail Clichy's children to grow up, we just don't seem to be able to nail down a left back, do we? Spencer, who's going to play left-back this season? Oh, I mean, when I saw the defence yesterday, and there were four defenders that were picked, were they not? And I thought, oh, you know, no Diaz, no Stones, it looks a bit light. Then the game started, and as soon as we start going forward, well, it's a back three, isn't it? And Lewis is uh, alongside uh, Rodri. Um, and I do like Lewis. I think he's he's got, he's got flair. Um, I don't know really about his defensive qualities, because most of the time we see him... Uh, not in defence, um, but he's got he's got strength. Um, you know, he's only eighteen. It, you know, we've we've said this, but you know, it's incredibly young to have made the impact he has made. So you'd like to think that a player like that will develop. Um, but yeah, left back. Um, I mean, we 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 seem to get by season after season without a, a, a traditional left back, and we seem to win the league each year, don't we? So we we seem to have adapted rather well. Uh, we like to label people. But I actually quite like the setup that we have at the moment where we have, you know, left-footed central defenders who who can play left. I mean, you know, obviously Ake's there quite a bit. Um, we've got, you know, obviously Lewis has got, you know, can play there. We've got, we've got uh, Akanji can play there. So I, I don't really mind the fact that we haven't got a dedicated left back because I think I think it it, it, it allies with the sort of fluidity that, that Pep likes to have amongst players and the adaptability. Um, okay. But, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Spencer. Dave, anything to add to that? I mean, the one thing that I would say on on Lewis is, you know, one of Pep's all-time great success stories is Joshua Kimmich at Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, sorry, where, um, you know, that, that he he's sort of notionally a fullback, really also a number six. He ha- gave that sort of tactical flexibility that Pep really enjoys and has gone on to be sort of a, a world-leading player ever since Pep took him, moulded him into that, into that more tactically versatile type of, fullback come holding midfielder come wherever Pep wants him to play and I can really see Lewis turning into that sort of player I don't think he's maybe got the same passing range yet but again you know he's showing exactly that sort of tactical intuition that you know stands you in very good stead for receiving a lot of minutes under a manager like Pep and I think we've got to we've got to see where this goes because Pep clearly believes in him 
All right. Well, let's let's turn our attention to the behemoth of a striker who is the legendary Erling Haaland. Paul, it took him almost three minutes to get onto the sports score sheet. What do you make of his performance? What can you say? He doesn't do much other than score goals, but he's brilliant at it. You know, he scored two cracking goals. That first one was the way he just got stretched his leg out to reach that ball from the head back from Rodri was superb. And the finish for the second goal, there's very few strikers in the world that would do the same as he did. I noticed, uh, I think we commented a few moments ago, we're playing a few more long balls on, on Friday than we've seen for a while. Yes, the odd game you used to see one or two or three. On Friday night, I noticed a lot of long balls from Edison seeking out Haaland to either control it or run onto it. So I think we might see a bit different uh, approach this season as we try to exploit teams trying to focus on one way of defending against Haaland. We'll try a different a different approach. Um, yeah, what can you say? It is world class. He certainly is. Spencer, he scored, what was it, 50 how many goals last season? What do you think a realistic target is for him this year? Well, I mean, even Pep said today, it's it's not it's not about you know an absolute number. Um, he just needs to sort of you know play his best football, and it, inevitably the goals will come. I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? He the, the, he didn't score in the last six games of last season, didn't they? And the you know the the naysayers were, oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, we knew that he was going to be right back on it. Um, and um, you know, twenty two touches is that right? No, no, twenty two touches per goal. Um, and you know, everybody else is in the fifties. Uh, and that and that ties in with what we see on the pitch, you know. We, we um, I mean, the second goal didn't look up. Pure instinct, best striker in world football to to convert a goal like that. Absolutely fabulous. Um, so uh, he's clearly going to score a lot of goals this season. Uh, he did come into it a little bit more in the second half, I thought, in terms of um, receiving his ball with the back to goal and laying off, and he he does that really well. Um, but he's going to spend, you know, ninety percent of his time. Uh, in uh, poaching goals from, from inside the 18 yard box. So I've got no complaints about that whatsoever. Uh, he's going to score a hat full this season um, and uh, look forward to it. I'm sure he will. Dave, who was your man of the match for City? It is hard to look past Haaland. Um, I think the the thing that's so impressive with him is, you know, you'd say he maybe doesn't have enough touches to be man of the match in most conventional metrics. But if he's doing what he's doing, he has a minimum of two defenders occupied at any given time. I know that you can't sort of, you know, mark him one-to-one. He will, you know, he's, he's too strong. He's too quick. You've got to make life more difficult for him than that. And he's so disruptive to a defense because you have to move around what Harland is doing. And that creates so much space for everyone else. Now, I don't think we necessarily use that as well as we have done in other games, but again, that just the People talk about Haaland maybe not having enough all-round game and it being all about just just scoring goals, as if that's not his main job. But, you know, the way he occupies defenders does create all these opportunities for everyone around him. I think he was he was tremendous again. I, I can't really look past him, to be honest. I think he's just, just unreal. And again, Rodri, I think. You know, goal, match-saving tackle, controls the tempo, another sign that he's going to be on for a, another excellent season after finishing the last one so strongly. Well, yeah, I was just about to say, Rodri, I was just about to pass that one over to Paul. Do you agree, disagree? Yeah, I thought Rodri had a superb game on Friday evening. And the other player I'd like to call out as well, I thought Walker had a good game. Um, Covered very well, he's used his speed when he needed to. Uh, So, yeah, but Rodri was superb. Harlan, you can't fault. And uh, Walker would have been my third if you asked me for another name. Okay, well, I think we're almost through with the Burnley game, but I think it's a good call, Walker. Spencer, there's been rumours... He was going. 
I think most of us would like him to stay. Rumours that Laporte may go as well. And I think no one could probably begrudge him some first team football, but you'd be sorry to see them go. Well, definitely. I mean, look, you know, Walker's not the future, is he? He, you know, he's the 32, I think. Um, But he, you know, he's um, he's, uh, the pace. It doesn't seem to have uh, given up any of his pace and at critical points, we, we really need him. Um, he's quite a, a leader on the pitch as well. I think I know he's not he's, he's not the captain, but I think he gives a sense of uh, drive on the pitch. Um, I was also going to just mention briefly that the the the, the Harland alongside Alvarez uh, looks like um, uh, a positive work in progress. We spent time, didn't we, discussing last season that they couldn't really play together, but I think they can, and I think that uh, the more game time they have together, um, you know, that will be a positive for us. Um, yeah. Dave, do we, do we read anything into the fact Grealish never made it onto the pitch? Um, not especially. I think, you know, I, I, I was sort of a little bit confused as to exactly why that started. I guess with, um, you know, when you've got Alvarez on, you he's not a conventional winger. You're probably thinking about your wingers that little bit differently. Um, I get the sense of Burnley, what we were really trying to do was overload him in the centre of the park. And what we had with um, with Alvarez there, Foden starting, just gave us that little bit more flexibility to really push into the centre where everyone is most comfortable. Um, I think that worked pretty well. It, it allowed for some very good movement, particularly, you know, I think Alvarez has got a much better sense now of where the half spaces are that pop up around Haaland. And maybe whereas Grealish is that bit more positionally disciplined, it just gave us that little bit more flexibility to execute that game plan. But it would very much surprise me, especially if we are looking to bolster the wing department, that Grealish would not be a very key part of the season and probably has that left side tied down after his performances last season. All right. Well, look, I don't want to dwell on it. There were a couple of, shall we say, unsavoury incidents in the Burnley game, and let's hope they're not setting a precedent for the new season. Stato, just to finish off, though, how would you rate our old favourite, Vinny and his Burnley team? How did he do? Well, it's very difficult to measure them on one match against the champions of Europe, the champions of England. We were the better team. They tried hard. They pressed high initially. They had a couple of half chances were the best you could probably describe them as. I think they'll survive this season, which is probably their primary aim. I would guess Vinny wants to get them as high as possible and probably settle for somewhere uh, lower mid-table. I think they're probably three worse teams in the league than them. I don't know that for a fact, but I think Luton, Sheffield United are certainly going to struggle from what we've seen on the first weekend. So good luck to Burnley, not necessarily to some of their fans, but to, to Vinny and the team for hopefully um, securing a Premier Division status for uh, the end of May time for him. Okay. All right. This weekend saw the introduction of some changes, and I know our great leader, Nigel, isn't here, so I'm going to call it the rules of the game, and I'm in charge. Um, Clamping down on discipline, clamping down on time-wasting. I thought it was quite interesting, actually. Um, Spencer, what did you make of it all? Um, Well, I think it's an improvement. Um, I mean, we're obviously going to get a lot lot more game time. Um, I don't know where the sweet spot is. Um, we're used to playing a 90, 90 minute game and now it's going to be a sort of, a, you know, a hundred to 110 minute game. <laughs> so we, we don't have, we have that sense of anticipation as the game, as the halves finish that we're, we're now much more attuned to having a lot more added time. Um, 
So I don't know how it plays out, but um, if we're after more accuracy, uh, it goes alongside the VAR discussion, doesn't it? That we want to get we want to get more um, more robust decision making. Um, it's a net gain overall for me. I think um, I have to see how it progresses from here. So do you think it'll settle down though? It's interesting. I think the Liverpool Chelsea game yesterday, I think there's only four minutes of added time in the second half. All the players just learn. There's no point <clears> trying to waste time. And it will simply just they'll get on with it. And the amount of time added will settle back down again. I think it does settle down. I hope it settles down because I do worry what the injury impact will be later in the season if you have much more stop and start, much more well, I say much more stop and start. You play longer with more stop and start mm. because teams will game this. You know, there will be times where it is optimal in terms of the momentum of the game to waste time, even if you know it's going to get added in later. And in fact, sometimes you'll want it to be added on later when maybe momentum is more likely to be in your favour. I feel for us it's a benefit because we see so many, so many, so many teams come to the Etihad and they're taking, you know, 90 seconds over a goal kick in the 30th minute. And, you know, I think this is... You know, something we need to be, you know, probably is a net game for us. But I do worry about what this means, particularly for teams playing lots of games, if that doesn't settle down. But again, you know, players learn, players adapt. We often see these things get, you know, different measures get brought in at the start of the season. And, you know, I think generally players adapt pretty well. You, When you start getting punished for stuff, you learn. And, you know, watching with the Liverpool game yesterday, some of the bookings that were given out, there was one where... Trent was deliberating over a throw-in in ways we've seen players do for years and years and years now, booking, and I'm pretty sure he ain't going to be doing that again. Absolutely. I must tell you, I had to referee my son's under-15 game a little while ago. And I tell you what was interesting, I had Damien Lewis, no less, the Hollywood actor, was watching. His kid was playing against my son. Um, and it was, the most, yeah, it was the most horrendous experience I've ever had in my life. I had to give a penalty. And I tried, not, I promise you, I tried. Not, but it was a penalty. The grief and abuse I got off a bunch of 15-year-olds, it was, it was just unpleasant. And it comes from the Premier League. There is no doubt. So if they start clamping down on discipline and the waving of, imaginary yellow cards, et cetera, and surrounding the referee. Personally, I'm delighted, Paul. Do you agree? Yes, I am. Um, again, like Dave said, mixed feelings, because if it doesn't change players' habits, we could see games going on till a three o'clock kickoff, going on way past so ten past quarter past five, uh, which would be ridiculous, really. Um, but hopefully the players will learn from it uh, and they'll not waste time. We're playing Newcastle this weekend. Eight o'clock in the evening kickoff. In the, if this had been the same as last season, and it added the time on, it could be going on until midnight. Yep, definitely uh, that last train home. Yeah, Newcastle, one of those teams that did um, take it to the limit. Let's put, put it that way. So hopefully uh, they've learned from the first weekend, and the games do just have a traditional sort of three, four, five minutes um, of injury time. Okay. All right. I think we'll take a break at this point. When we come back, I'd like from each of you your one suggested change to the rules of football. So you can have a think about that during the break, chaps. Then we've also got the Super Cup and the Newcastle game to talk about. So see you all in a minute. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So just before the break, we were discussing the changes to the rules of football. Spencer, what change would you make if you had your way and had a quiet word with FIFA? Slip them a few quid, no doubt. It's usually the way it works. But uh, how, what would you change um, and why? Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you my 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 major beef, um, but I don't know about the practicalities of it and the implications of it. And it, it's simply that on the VAR decisions to have more interaction with the crowd who have paid good money to be at the game, uh, because it seemed, especially through a lot of last season, that um, decisions were being made and sort of, people who were at home knew more than the people in the crowd. Now, I know that there's a reverse uh, aspect of that, that if you talk people through the decision, you can be a little bit insightful for the crowd. And I do understand that, you know, a football crowd is different to a rugby crowd. Uh, but I do think that there should be more movement in that direction. And actually watching the the late the, uh, Women's World Cup, there is a little bit more of a move there to for the referee to communicate more with the uh you know about the the decisions so yeah that, they are explaining them to the crowd aren't they it's been yeah it's been quite interesting to watch and we should say good luck to all the city players that are out there so um yeah. no fair point so yeah i mean my mine goes back to that notorious champions league game against spurs when sterling had that goal disallowed and it was interesting wasn't it? one of the spurs substitutes was actually he'd gone back to the changing room assuming they'd lost it was only when the press of the team came in looking all happy, he'd realised that the goal had been disallowed. So, OK, oh. you're going for more communication on VAR. I'll Tony, you've just given me PTSD, Tony. I'd, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of us That here. was a long journey home, wasn't it? <laughs> um, so more communication on VAR, albeit I thought it worked very well in the Burnley game, didn't it? That was That's how it should work. You know, they step in and sort out horrible tackles like that. Dave, what's your change? So I was tempted to suggest another, you know, other tweaks to VAR, but I know, you know, we've had the, had the VAR discussion many times. I'm going to come up with something a bit different. One thing, and I actually remember Sergio Aguero really annoying me because he used to do this a lot. I think there should be an absolute straight red card if you touch the officials. Like there's so much people going up to the officials, hand on the shoulder. I try and do it in this sort of quite friendly way, but there's a sort of quite intimidating idea to it, you know, getting up in the face, being all over them. You look at other sports where you just would not have that. You wouldn't have that in rugby. You wouldn't have that in NFL where obviously there's maybe more of a safety aspect in making sure that the um, the officials are not manhandled. But for some reason in football, there's no sort of, you know, sort of invisible wall around the ref. And I think that goes into how players behave towards the ref. They think that they're fair game and that extends to a whole, you know, physical, mental abuse, you know, however you want to go about it. That seems to be a barrier that they don't have. And I think if you put that rule in, and kind of elevated the position of the official on the field, that should be, you know, that, that would change change the conduct a well, lot. It's, it's a fair call. I mean, any sort of physical intimidation. I mean, 
you know, they've always tried to say, you know, in football, we have a more sort of interactive relationship and friendly relationship with referees. But you're right, players abuse it. Similarly, you know, you've got a six foot four player standing over you, breathing down your neck. Um, it shouldn't be allowed either. Um, but OK, I hear you. Paul, what are we going to change? How are we going to put the world to rights? OK, well, uh, for a rule change for you, or if Nigel's listening, a law change, I <laughs> would like to see the introduction of the Amber card. Oh. So um, there are certain offences, like you can get two yellow cards for fairly minor offences like kicking the ball away now and then showing the, an artificial yellow card. Is that really a red card offence? Not really, let's be honest about it. It doesn't matter whether it's a City player or our opposition. So Amber card and then whether it's 10 or 15 minutes in the sin bin. Um, bin. Something along those lines. And if you commit, uh, I'll make it number up, if you commit three amber offences in the in the first half of the season, you get a match, you get banned as well. So whatever it is, it's a, a sort of a in-between, but it makes people, the players think a little bit more about what they're doing. All right, I'm going I'm to give you my two. One might, might have to go now. We've got all this added time, but... Um... Foul throw. Take a throw in from the wrong place. It's a foul throw. Goes the other way. Stop them stealing yards. End of. Unless you're just trying to get on with the game. You know, sometimes like in rugby, they have the quick throw in. So simple, easily understood, would stop all that nonsense straight away. Agreed? Thank you, team. Um, I was also going to suggest, like in rugby, the whistle only goes when the ball goes out for a throw in or a goal kick. Now, I know we're already here at quarter past midnight with some of these eight o'clock kickoffs. So that one might not be too popular anymore. But certainly based on previous years added time, I think that would have been a nice change as well. So, OK, thank you, chaps. If any of our lovely listeners would like to tweet in their suggestions, our great host, Nigel, has a great deal of influence when it comes to refereeing. I'm sure we'd be delighted. But seriously, I'd be, be interested to hear if any of you have any other thoughts on that. So that's changes to the laws we'd like to see. Let's move on. Wednesday night sees our, as far as I'm aware, our first ever appearance in the Super Cup. Spencer, is this just the Community Shield light in another far off corner of Europe, or is this a trophy we should really try and win? No, it's the Community Shield heavy, which we should try and win uh, because we've okay. never won it. Because we've never won it before, and it always used to sort of. Uh, Rami a bit because Liverpool always used to throw this out in their stats didn't they you know we got home so many super cups uh, and it does represent uh, and follow through from the Champions League win which was you know the most significant uh, thing in our in our European history um, so I, I, I do think that um, this is something uh, we want to win uh, and 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 I believe we should um, I'm not, not too into the the minutiae of the Sevilla team but I think we should be should have more than enough uh, to, to beat them on, on Wednesday. Yeah, perennial winners, aren't they, in the second tier severe, I think. Dave, though, I don't wish to get on my high horse again, but here we have City from England and Sevilla from Spain dragging themselves all the way to the other side of Europe, to Athens, where it's 35 degrees at the moment, to play what is, as we've said, nothing more than a glorified friendly you know, it's a terrible toll on the players. And I think in these times when we've, we're all discussing climate change, it's, in my opinion, ridiculous. Why can't the venue be agreed after we know who the two teams are? Play it somewhere like Paris, for example, in between. Agree? Disagree? So it's UEFA's usual brilliant blend of caprice and incompetence. So, number one, you've got a game that's completely unnecessary. 
It's notionally before the start of the season. That's because it's before the start of the season for most European leagues, not ours. Um, and it's incompetence in that if you put this game as a preseason friendly for everyone in, say, the US or Asia, it would be an absolute money spinner. It would be part of people's preseason programs and it would make a lot more sense. Instead, we find ourselves at the point where the domestic season's begun, forced to go out playing meaningless games so UEFA can get a bit more money, they can give out a little bit of a trophy, do a bit of PR, sell some more corporate seats. I just, I don't see the point of this game. I don't think I'll really give a monkey's whether we win it or not. It's just another glorified game, no real prestige to it. And we just have to, you know, we just have to go along with it. Uh, to be honest, I, I would be, I'd be sending the uh, VDS out to play it, but um, I get the sense I might be in a minority on that one. Paul, uh, you know, we're not going to revisit all the horror stories of Istanbul, but but you going, mate? I'm not. No, I thought I'd give this one a miss. Um, I looked at the prices. The tickets are a reasonable price, but the getting out there is horrendously expensive. So I, yeah. I called it a no straight away. Um, and it's uh, and as people are saying, it's not such a big, big game. It's not like the Champions League final by a long, long, long way. Would I like to win it? Yes, I would like to win it because it's a, it's the European Super Cup. We've never actually competed in it before. If it had been the Community Shield as it was a, a week last uh, uh, Sunday, I didn't give a damn whether we won or lost that because we've won it in the past and it is a, a friendly. I know this is a sort of friendly, but I really would like to win it. So I understand what Dave's saying, but I, I, a bit of me says, I'll be a little bit upset if we don't win it on Wednesday night. And it's also a chance for, for, for a few more players, to, a little bit of rotation. I'm sure there'll be changes. Uh, and help us bed in uh, to the season proper and the visit uh, to Newcastle. So I think it's um, it's actually quite good to have um, you know a game that is it is a competitive game and there is there is a cup at the end of it. How can that be a bad thing? So not ideal for supporters, as UEFA would say. But there you are. All right, good luck, City, in that one. But let's let's focus on well another actually. Quite a big game, really. It's Newcastle, again, rather unusual kickoff time, eight o'clock on a Saturday night. Uh, someone can explain the logic of all of this to me and how the Newcastle fans are meant to get home after that, but so be it. Big game, Dave. You're looking forward to it? Yeah, I mean, it's they had a very, very good start to the season. They're currently sat pretty on top of the league. Um, we know what they're about now. They're very well disciplined. They've invested... I think quite shrewdly in the summer. Um, I always think Harvey Barnes is a player who looks very dangerous against us because he's quite a direct winger. Um, Tenali, I thought, had a very good season last year. You know, they've got they've invested well. That coach Eddie Howe is doing a fantastic job, and he's got his. You know, he's he's now had a you know a real bedding in period with that squad. They're his squad now. I, I'm I'm quite concerned about this one, but you would hope that we've got the quality to, to see it through. But it's one of those games which we definitely want to make a statement early and say that, you know, these, um, you know, even against the sort of, you know, the top sides at home, we, you know, we're still imperious and we can, we can dominate the game in the way we have been in recent years. And Paul, uh, it's interesting to compare in many respects, Newcastle are sort of following on from our footsteps, aren't they? Been taken over, money behind them, haven't gone for, you know, the messies of this world, et cetera, but have brought in some real, quality that have perhaps flown underneath the radar from Europe. Um, how does that, in your mind, compare to Chelsea? Stato, how much yeah, has Chelsea spent since Bowley took over? 
Come on, I'm relying think, on you here, Paul. I think it's over 600 million now. It's it's well, if you take into account, I think they bought Caicedo today. I'm rising, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I didn't and Lavia they're trying to buy. That would take it up to 929 million pounds in what less than two years. So it's even if they haven't got those two, it's still well over 700 even now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure if there's a question all of that, but all right, let's start first. Of, well. Let me ask you this question. First of all, how on earth did Chelsea get away with this for financial fair play? I would love to know the answer to this one. I don't know. I know that they've put players on seven-year contracts, therefore... Well, eight, yeah, and eight years. And I thought they'd been outlawed as well. But I, I think that... I can't remember if it's UEFA or the Premier League. One has said they will not count beyond five years when they're doing the calculations. That's UEFA. Um, that's UEFA. Thank you, Dave. So, therefore, if they put a... A player, let's use an easy figure, uh, they bought something for 80 million. They're amortizing at 10 million a year over eight years. Uh, whereas um, UEFA will say, no, divide the 80 by five, which is 16 million a year. So it will make the, the PL worse. Um, but, but that's their problem. Um, I don't know how to get away with it, but it's not for me to investigate. Hopefully, um, others who are looking at this sort of thing will pick up on Chelsea. Because it's so obvious that they've got to have a look at it and say, this doesn't quite look right. Mm. Uh, but so be it. All right, but sorry, we digress. Back to back to Saturday and Newcastle. Do you, do you see them as genuine contenders this year? Not for the title. I think us playing them second game of the season will be tough. I think they will find it much tougher later on in the year when they start to have to play European matches midweek and then weekends again. So in a way, the fixture list hasn't been kind to us by having Newcastle very early on. I watched some of the Villa game on Sunday. They looked pretty decent. I don't know how bad Villa were. They lost their means very early on. Um, so Newcastle will not be a threat to the, winning the Premier League, but they will take points off other teams there. Whether they get the top four or not, we'll, we'll see later on. I think they'll be there or thereabouts. But um, I think Saturday evening will be a tough, tough game with us coming back very late from Athens for our game. I think that was one of the reasons it's been put back to 8 o'clock. I'm not sure, but I think City did request a later kickoff uh, than a, the traditional yeah. 12.30 that BT would, or TNT as it is now, would normally have had us because we'll be back very early hours of Thursday morning. So, Spencer, apart from sadly KDB, who will be missed for, we're told, up to a month, are you expecting changes from the Burnley game for this one? Well, we would expect so. I think I think uh, a little bit also depends on the Super Cup um, lineup, but I, I think we'll see Grealish in the home game. Um, I hope there'll be um, uh, Diaz. Well, we've got the injury issues, haven't we, in defence? Um, I think Stones may be back. Um, if I read the press correctly, DS not so sure. Uh, obviously, KDB is going to be out, so there's going to be some enforced changes. Um, but again, I think I think I think this will be a tough game, uh, and I think that um, uh, as Paul said, you know, we, we could easily be, you know have points taken off us in in moments because they've got match winning players, and Newcastle have got a very a very sort of solid uh, solid look about them, and they look great at the weekend. So yeah. Um, I don't know what the changes will be, but I would imagine that there'll be quite a few for Super Cup and and and, and more. You know, I think we've yet to settle down um, into our into our into our sort of you know where we've got six or seven first choice players in for for each game as as we sort of did through last season. Mister Hodgson, your prediction then? Two one City. Two one City. Stato? 
one apiece. Oh, Spencer. I never like to do this, but I'm going to go two, two, two apiece because I think there's two apiece. both sides. Yeah, yeah. Should listen. It should be a good game and something to look forward to. It's normally about this time of the the season we've abandoned all hope of winning things, wasn't it? Going back <laughs> a few a few years. So um, you know, it's a great position to be in. Just to finish off, then. Who do you see as our main rival or rivals for the title this year? Stato, let's start with you. I think Arsenal have strengthened and strengthened well in areas that they needed to. They were just short last season, so I think they'll, if you're asking just one team that will give us a run for our money, I'd say Arsenal. Arsenal, Dave, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think they're the they're the obvious ones. Um, I think there's, it's one of those classic where I think there's, I think a lot of teams have improved, but just a, a step behind. I think really depends what Liverpool do till the end of the season because they did look open on on Sunday. Mm. I, I feel United are still a step away in their rebuild as well. Um, that could come back to bite me, but that is sort of what I'm thinking. Chelsea's all over the shop. You know, it really does feel like it's us and Arsenal again. But I think the the field is closing, and next couple of years you're going to see a few more join that fray. Spencer. Yeah, I, I agree with Arsenal for this season. I, I do think Chelsea will do way, way better this season and next season could could be could be a real threat. But who knows? But for this season, Arsenal. And who's who's your dark horses? There's always one team who surprises you in the league in, in a season, isn't there? Um Paul, like to pick anyone out? Um, well, if you call them dark horses, they had a great run towards the end of the season. Villa will surprise a few teams. I know they lost heavily at the weekend. But that was a one, <laughs> one-off match. I think Villa might... They're not going to win the league, but I think they'll surprise a few teams. Dave? I think you know, Villa would have been my, my obvious one to say. Um, I think they're still a little bit in Spurs yet. I think they might actually find they've been freed a little bit from the, you know, um, almost the fact that Kane carried the burden. A lot of the guys are going to have to be a little bit more, um, you know, they're going to have to share it around a bit more. I can just, I think they've made a couple of canny signings. I think we might see a little bit of a surprise top four challenge from Spurs, who everyone seems to have written off. <laughs> Spencer, who's going to well, surprise I, us? Come on. I'm going to go, I'm going to go left field. The question is, who's going to surprise us? Uh, and I'm going to say, I really do hope Sheffield United surprise us and don't go down because, because my, <laughs> my dad's an ardent uh, Blades fan and it don't look good from the outset. So that'll be, that'll be a pleasurable surprise for me anyway. Fair enough. All right. Listen, chaps, to sign off on, what does success look like for you guys this year as far as City goes? We did the treble. It was just a fantastic season, and not just the trophies, but the football. Just it was just brilliant, wasn't it? And you know, I'm I'm struggling to get up for it again this year. I don't know how you boys felt when you sat down before the Burnley game. It was like, oh, here we go again. And it must be hard for the players, in all seriousness, to to put themselves through that again. It is mentally draining as much as physically draining. So you know. As Pep said, it may be impossible to do the treble again, but what what would you say is is a successful season for us, Spencer? Well, the cups are the cups, aren't they? And they're in the land of the gods. Uh, a real a, a quality season in the Premier League is success for me, and uh, it might not be winning it; it might be coming second. Dare I say it? Um, but success, a good solid season, hopefully winning the Premier League. Anything else is an absolute bonus. Dave? 
I've taken great joy in the last few years in knocking down Manchester United records. And there's two things we could do this season. Number one is four Premier Leagues in a row. Alex Ferguson never did that. And the other one would be retaining the Champions League. Alex Ferguson never did that. If we can do one of those two things, that is a very successful season in my book. And Paul, I think I know your answer, but go on. Quadruple. No. Um, <laughs> being realistic about it, I'll, I'll take, uh, I think, any of the two major trophies, the Champions League or the Premier League, as long as we compete in everything else. If we finished Champions League runners-up, Premier League runners-up, and FA Cup final semi-finals as Mark, that to me is still a bloody good season, but we didn't quite make it. But I'd love to win at least one of those two major trophies. And let's hope we do. And on that note, thank you very much, Spencer. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Stato. And thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you again next week. Enjoy the football this week. Bye now. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.